1: We're your hosts, Brendan and Catherine.
0: Welcome back to Detour to Neverland. Today is episode number 223. So first off, you're welcome. If you are have listened to storytelling episodes, you know that normally we put an audio clip from these attractions the front end. The best thing for Snow White's scary adventure would have been the cackling of the old hag. And we omitted that. So you're welcome.
1: Yeah, I couldn't allow ourselves to put that in. We talked about it beforehand, like if you're going to put in a clip. And that's really the only thing that stands out. And that's a little too terrifying.
0: So we're going to let you not have to change your pants for the rest of the day. So that's a good thing. And we're good to go. I can't promise you that we won't get scared during this episode, though, because this is a scary attraction, and it's intentionally scary.
1: Which is mind-blowing. I think, you know, whenever land comes to mind, for me, I picture things like the carousel or the teacups or the castle. And never in a million years would I have thought that a scary ride like this would have fit with Walt's vision.
0: So hold that thought. I want to introduce the episode just for in case anybody's new storytelling series is here so that we can take a deeper look at these attractions so that next time you ride them, you have a deeper appreciation for them or you feel a different emotion or you catch something new or have a deeper appreciation for its history and the different iterations, which is probably the key thing to learn about this attraction. Would you agree?
1: Oh, yeah, I completely agree.
0: I think that uh, Haunted Mansion really caught us where we just kept pulling that thread and it went deeper and deeper and deeper. I don't think this was quite as far as Haunted Mansion, but it's close.
1: There's a lot of backstory to this, and I think there's a lot of history with it, too. I mean, especially with it being Walt Disney's first animated film, you know, there's a history there. There's a connection that he feels towards it. And I think it's an interesting perspective that, you know, he brought with it into the parks. Um, And it's definitely an interesting ride.
0: So let's get the key stats out of the way first. So currently this ride, Snow White Scary Adventure, is open in three parks, Disneyland, Tokyo Disneyland and Disneyland Paris. It was also once opened in Magic Kingdom, and it ran from opening day, October 1st, 1971, which is tomorrow. Uh, October 1st is tomorrow if you're listening on release day.
1: Oh, my goodness.
0: Happy 49th, Magic Kingdom.
1: We'll be back for 50.
0: And it ran to May 31st, 2012. An interesting thing to note with all these that anytime they have opened up a traditional Magic Kingdom style park this has been part of it well is that true
1: uh we i'd have to go back and look at the dates
0: because well i guess the question is does do shanghai and hong kong count as a magic kingdom style park they have a castle
1: yeah i guess it depends on your definition of a magic kingdom style park honestly
0: i know i read this somewhere maybe it's that it's wherever there's a fantasy land I don't know. We're going to have to ask our international travelers. So yeah, put a pin in that one, but currently open in three different places. What's once opened in Walt Disney World. I know I went on it as a kid in Walt Disney World and anybody who grew up going to Walt Disney World probably has very vivid memories of this. And it also depends on what version you got. But it was... I mean, there was a lot of talk about this in Magic Kingdom.
1: Oh, yeah. And we actually made an interesting discovery when doing our research about this. Brendan, would you like to share with everybody what you discovered? I didn't
0: know we were going to talk about this. Well, here we are. So my parents and my brother always like to remind me that as a kid in like as a toddler, I was the worst person to ride in the car with. Especially if there were trees near the road. I guess like the way that my car seat sat, I looked straight up at them. And so I would scream bloody murder. I was a real pleasant kid to be around. <laughs> and I think I have pinpointed where that came from. And it is this ride.
1: So mostly his parents suspected that he was scared of trees because, you know, it looked like they were coming to get him. And quite literally, as we were watching some of the ride POVs from Snow White's Scary Adventure, the trees are literally trying to get you with their scary eyes and their evil faces. And Brendan had this epiphany and I thought it was worth sharing.
0: So there's. More that I probably need to unpack there. I'm trying to suppress it right now. But <laughs> but I do think that's that probably played into this. And uh, it's maybe a good time to go ahead and talk about Magic Kingdom version. You think? This is where Snow White's Scary Adventure gets hard. There are so many different versions of this. Each park has like its own different iteration. And it... Even in Disneyland and Walt Disney World, they both changed every couple years. So it's like someone who went on this in 1961 and someone who went back in 1971 got two completely different rides. I say completely, but there were major differences between them.
1: Yeah. Overhauls, updates, additions, takeaways, you name it. It went through it all. So we're not going to get into all of that just because it's confusing. It's hard to talk about. um, And I don't think it really adds to the actual storytelling element of it. Like, I don't think those little details changed the story that I was trying to tell or the fact that it was scary.
0: (laughs) So. I guess the reason why I say let's go ahead and knock out Magic Kingdom, because I think the rest of the episode will probably just focus on Disneyland's version.
1: Yeah, I'd say that's fair.
0: So Magic Kingdom's version, there's a very interesting story about how it came to be. So, of course, they decided they were going to build this park in Orlando, this resort in Orlando. And um, they, of course, Walt wanted to do Epcot, but they then decided that they needed a castle park in order to get people there and get people excited to do it. The original idea was that they would have Fantasyland, just like they do in Disneyland, but they would take the three ride systems for the attractions that were in Fantasyland and put different movies to them. So those attractions would be Snow White's Adventure at the time, Mr. Toad's Wild Ride, and Peter Pan's Flight. So the idea was to take three separate movies, use those same ride systems and plug them in there. You already know this, Catherine, now, because I spoiled the trivia for you. But I never would have guessed the three movies that they were going to put in here.
1: No. So go ahead and share those because they are quite interesting.
0: So Snow White was going to be Sleeping Beauty. And I think that one actually would have worked really well. Because Maleficent is just as scary as the Evil Queen.
1: I would agree. I will say the Evil Queen one-ups Maleficent because she does change her appearance. Well, I guess Maleficent turns into a dragon, but...
0: How cool would that have been to see like a gigantic dragon in the dark ride?
1: We can't go there. You know I would love to see that.
0: So Snow White was going to be Sleeping Beauty. Peter Pan was going to be Mary Poppins. So they were going to reuse like the England scene where the flyover England I don't know what else they would have reused but I think that one would have been really cool as well.
1: That would have been really cool, but I, I also feel like it's kind of a different sensation of flying. I mean, I understand how the two are related and they are both London based. And I think you could have had some fun with like the scenes, maybe if there's like a bedroom scene or a chimney sweep. But as far as the whole flying over, I feel like maybe they wouldn't have had enough content. It's just kind of why I think maybe they stuck with Peter Pan.
0: Um, and then Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. There's going to be another one that I think is highly underrated, and it does have a nod in Fantasyland, and that is The Sword in the Stone.
1: And it kind of goes with Mr. Toad's Wild Rides. It is kind of kooky and, you know, out there. It's been ages since I've seen that movie, so I honestly can't even talk about it and do it justice. But I know it's a little wacky.
0: I haven't seen it in forever either, but I do know, like, the scenes where Merlin is turning everything into magic. I don't know what the <laughs> correct terminology is, but I feel like that would have been a really cool scene in magic kingdom's version. So anyway, all of this is to say then Walt passed away, of course, before magic kingdom was able to open. And that left Roy with this, this decision on what to do with Fantasyland, land. And because they were worried about would people be coming through the gates, They went back to what they already knew would work. And that was the three versions of the rides that were in Disneyland. But what Roy decided to do was turn them up to 11. They only go to 10, but he went to 11. And that meant amplifying the fear in Snow White. So anybody who is a Disneyland person who tells you that they had a scarier version is incorrect. Magic Kingdom, hands down, had the scariest version of this.
1: Yeah, we did watch a couple POVs to compare and they really did up everything in Magic Kingdom. And a lot of that also has to do with some of the Imagineers that worked on it. So I feel like we can't talk about storytelling without giving credit to some of those brilliant minds. And we've mentioned this particular Imagineer before. So Claude Coates, Brendan, where did we talk about him before?
0: Haunted Mansion.
1: He is responsible for the scary factor in Magic Kingdom in Orlando. So I have to say he's probably not completely responsible. I mean, obviously other people had a hand in it. But if we think back to our Haunted Mansion episode, he was the one who was all for making the Haunted Mansion a Haunted Mansion. Very scary. Um, Kind of taking it in that direction rather than like the fun, silly, you know, prank playing ghosts. He wanted it to be frightening. And he was faced with this same opportunity. And here he didn't have anyone stopping him. There was no opposition. And he just went, I guess, at an 11, like you said.
0: So... Yeah, I mean, I've heard it online called that this was Claude Coates' revenge, that he was still mad about Haunted Mansion not going the direction that he wanted it to. So this was his opportunity to really tap into these scary elements that he enjoyed so much.
1: And I just need to take a minute and think that if this is what he did to a princess movie, to Snow White... I mean, just imagine what he could have done to the Haunted Mansion. I mean, that would really be terrifying.
0: I'm here for it. I am not. As long as Grim Grinning Ghost was still playing. See, that's see, what it I, wouldn't. There's I wanna, no way. I want to like see terrifying with my eyes, but I want to hear Grim Grinning Ghost.
1: I don't think the two go hand in hand. But that's another conversation.
0: So... I don't know. What else do you want to say about Magic Kingdom? And then we got to circle all the way back to Disneyland.
1: All the way back around. Well, I will say that when they made the decision to go from, you know, Snow White, Scary Adventure in Magic Kingdom, they pivoted to the mine train. So uh, we're not going to go deep into the mine train because that someday will be its own episode. But I feel like you do have to mention that. Once they came up with the idea for the mind train, that's when they pulled the plug on Snow White's scary adventures because you can't have two Snow White rides.
0: Correct. I mean, there's a little bit of sting to it still, honestly, for me, that it's replaced with a character meet and greet.
1: Well, I feel like that's completely different. I completely agree. Just from a ride standpoint, that's where they started to pivot. I do completely agree that that space. Still should be used for something more than a princess meet and greet. But I feel like that's its own soapbox that
0: if we don't get on many
1: a, people could go on.
0: If we don't get on a soapbox, then is, is this really a storytelling episode?
1: <laughs> Probably not. But I will say I so appreciate some of the little nods that they gave to Mind Train in bringing in some of those old animatronics and things from Snow White's Scary Adventures. And A few of them I knew. So I feel like a lot of people who are familiar with Snow White's Scary Adventures know that that kind of last scene right before the ride ends with Mind Train, you know, in the cottage, you see some of those original animatronics like where Snow White is dancing with Dopey. Um, That was original to the Magic Kingdom version. But then also this was a new one for me. There are vultures. I guess somewhere where you're outside. I'm going to have to look for them next time. But th- the two vultures are also original to um, Snow White's Gary Adventure. So I like that they included those because I think it adds a little something to Mind Train since it is so new, a little old, a little new, put it all together. Yeah. So I do appreciate that.
0: Uh, yeah, I can get behind that. I do wish the Q- I do like the Seven Dwarfs Mind Train queue. I almost feel like they could have done more to incorporate the scary adventure part of it in there. Just something with the evil queen.
1: I agree. I guess that's just not the story that they were trying to tell there. You know, they they are definitely focusing more on the dwarves and mining.
0: (laughs) Okay, so Magic Kingdom check. Check. We've covered it as much as we're going to. Let's talk about Disneyland and with a lot of these that are based on a movie, we at least have to touch on the source material here. So, of course, Snow White, monumental, first full length animated film, near and dear to Walt's heart, you know, captured the imagination of many, many different generations. I think kids still watch Snow White.
1: Oh, yeah, for
0: sure. We just watched it yesterday. Mm hmm. It was much better than I remembered it.
1: I would agree. I think there it was a lot more um, dynamic than I thought it was. There was a lot more with the dwarves that I didn't remember, you know, as far as showcasing their personalities and things like that. And then I also kind of liked the different angles of the evil queen. Um, I knew who she was obviously, but I don't think I ever put two and two together that she was killing Snow White simply because she was jealous that she was beautiful. That's a little extreme.
0: You don't plot to kill people who are more beautiful than you?
1: Typically, no. No.
0: There's no one more beautiful than you.
1: Oh, thank you. Um, You're my magic mirror.
0: And I do want to also point out, A little bit, because this gets into world history, and this is more your area than me. Mm -hmm. However, if you think about when this came out, 1938, before World War II had started. And this was a little element that I had never realized before, or never placed before, in that, of course, it released in the U.S. fine. I mean, there had been movies not full-length animated like this. But there had been other movies that touch on similar tones to this. And they were more familiar with fairy tales. But if you think about abroad.
1: Tones as far as. Uh,
0: as as far as how scary it is. Oh, okay. And the, you know, princess narrative that, that you always get. Okay. Saved by the prince. Mm-hmm. I thought it was really interesting. Um I saw some discussion about during this time period, Italy in particular was under communist rule under Mussolini. And part of Mussolini's rule was to not allow any terror or horror or scary movies in Italy. And this passed the check and it was allowed to be shown in Italy, but they were terrified of it because it was way more, it had way more horror elements than anything that they had seen in the past, however many years. Mm-hmm. And so the question is that that almost plant the seed that people latched on to the scary moments of this movie. So you can think about when snow White when snow white is, um, it's no right.
1: Yeah, I caught that. She,
0: she'd be <laughs> our be our relative. Yeah. Um, when she's running away from the huntsmen, and the trees are trying to get her, still strikes a nerve with me. Mm-hmm. Or when the queen is turning into the old hag. Those for that time period, and based on what people were used to seeing, that was really really scary.
1: So are you saying it makes sense that the story that they're telling through the ride is also very scary?
0: Yes. So when Walt was originally planning, I say and Walt, but it's really Walt and the Imagineers. When they were planning Fantasyland in Disneyland, they had three main emotions that they wanted to play off of. This was another thing I tried to quiz you on if you could get it. I couldn't get it.
1: I didn't get it.
0: So the three are fun, fantasy, and fear. So fear's the obvious one.
1: So if you had to, we're playing a matching game, right? We're on a game show. If you have to match the emotion to the ride, so you have fantasy, fun, and fear, and you have to match them to either Peter Pan, Snow White's Adventures, or the Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. So think about that for a minute. Place your bets. What is it, Brendan?
0: So fear is Snow White, fun is Mr. Toad's Wild Ride, and fantasy is Peter Pan's flight.
1: Yeah, and now that we say it, I feel like it's fairly obvious, but I didn't get that.
0: There's also three other terms that people have used as well. And I and it's almost as if maybe Walt and the Imagineers use them interchangeably. I don't know them off the top of my head, but they're synonyms for those words. So it's like horror, something. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> so anyway, that's the emotions that they were going for. So they had the emotions, and then they matched them with the movies. And so the that's that's kind of why I mentioned this stuff about Italy is that may the way that the movie was perceived potentially planted the seeds for Walt to view it that way. Hmm.
1: Yeah, I wonder if that's how he initially intended it to be. I mean, I feel like all good story, of course, has a villain um, and Disney villains are particularly scary. But I do wonder if like fear was kind of the first thing that came to his mind when, you know, he planned out the story.
0: Yeah. So a lot of these early versions of the ride. If you experience them or if you've watched videos of them, and honestly, even some of the current versions, you know, more recent versions as well, you kind of get this vibe of a a little janky haunted house type deal. Something that you would find at a local amusement park or like a roadside stop of like a fun house almost.
1: Well, it is a lot of those same things. Like if you think about any of those little Rides that are meant to be scary, you know, things are jumping out at you. You have all the, um, like the illusions, kind of. So, like the scary eyes or, you know, the lit up eyes, um, things that appear to be chasing you. It's in the dark. Um, all of those things definitely add up. And I think what kills me the most is that it was so scary that they actually had to put a sign out in front of the ride telling people that it was a scary ride.
0: But before that, some of the very, very first people to write it, Guest Relations got tons of complaints about it.
1: Well, yeah.
0: And I thought it was hilarious. I don't know if this is actual quote, but what I read was Walt's response was, well, fear's a part of life and kids have to learn how to deal with it. Ooh. And I love that.
1: Ooh. I don't know how I feel about that. Because it would have been me, poor little Catherine, who would have been terrified.
0: Well, you could have had a crippling fear of trees coming through the car and getting you too. That's true.
1: So you're saying that you're the real victim here?
0: I think I'm better because of it.
1: OK. OK.
0: But that's I, I just think it's so interesting about how they did that. And, and you see those parallels between these little, I guess, back in the old days, they were called spook houses. I've never been to a spook house. I have been to my county fair where they have a little janky, rickety horror house.
1: Yeah, those are always interesting.
0: But it, yeah, you're right. It's a lot of the same things. It's the, it's the neon colors. It's the playing with light. It's the jump scares. Um, it's the it's the you think you're going one direction and you turn a different direction really quickly. Mm-hmm. It's all of those same elements. But Disney really elevated it and changed the game on it. And so that leads me into... A big point I want to hit home as far as storytelling in that Ken Anderson, Imagineer Ken Anderson, we've heard him many times throughout this series. He worked on Haunted Mansion. He worked on The Jungle Cruise as well, I believe. And he was also an art director for Snow White, the animated movie. Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. And so Ken was tasked with building the story for the attraction. And he realized very early on that he could not tell a linear story through to to model the movie. And so what he decided to do, I think, is one of the most revolutionary things that we've ever seen, was to tell the story of the movie through emotion. He just happened to go a little far on the fear element of it. But the first iteration was, if you listen to Peter Pan's episode, it's the same type deal. You were supposed to be Snow White. And you were being led through these scenes, supposed to be feeling the emotions of the movies through Snow White's eyes.
1: Well, and that brings me to a point that, you know, I wanted to make was, you know, this ride, we think of it as being so old and of course so scary, but, you know, was this ride really ahead of its time, you know, putting people into that situation and that forced perspective of Snow White, you know, she wasn't even featured originally in the ride, which of course confused people because they expected to go on a Snow White ride and see Snow White. But when you think about it and them, you know, you're being put into Her perspective, like, how is she going to feel running through, you know, the forest? She's scared. She doesn't know what's going on. She thinks she's going to be killed. And then, you know, obviously she does kind of kill her. But, you know, going through those emotions, even in the movie, I feel like that's portrayed that she is kind of hysterical. And, you know, she's scared and confused and lost. And, you know, the ride does that for sure. And when I think about some of these newer rides that we just rave about things like, obviously, um,
0: rise of the resistance.
1: Oh, my God. <laughs> I lost it. I kept wanting to say Star Tours. And I was like, that is not right. Rise of the resistance. Oh, my gosh. Um, but when we think about rise, like it's that same thing. Like we want to feel like we are there. We want to feel like we are being trapped by the first order, like all of those same things. We are so excited to feel that way.
0: We'll flight of passage is the same way.
1: Yeah, we're excited to be in those like adventurous scenarios, kind of scary, kind of thrilling. And it's interesting to me that this ride was almost so ahead of its time that people couldn't handle it. Like they didn't understand it. They didn't like it. They wanted to see Snow White so much so that they ended up, you know, going back and adding her in. Not a lot, but enough to kind of. Fix that, you know, need that people had to see her. But it does really make me kind of appreciate these engineers that worked on, especially Ken Anderson, who was kind of able to think of that and bring that to life so long ago.
0: I think you're reading my notes. Am I? Because that's what I was going to say as well, is that this ride was so far ahead of its time. And I don't even know if they knew how far ahead of its time that it really was. Maybe they did because they're some of the most brilliant people ever. But this hits all the notes of what we would want in an attraction today. Like you just said, we want to be part of the story. I mean, that's that's Tower of Terror. That's Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout. Like that's what we love so much about them, is that we're part of the story. Now, should they probably have made it more obvious that you were Snow White? Maybe. Probably. But how would they do that? Give you a cue card whenever you walk in.
1: <laughs> Hello, you are now Snow White. You're being transformed.
0: Plop a dress on you. I'm trying Everybody to, has to put it on.
1: I'm trying to think about these other rides that we think of today that do it so well. Like, what about it? Um, I think...
0: It's normally a pre-show.
1: A pre-show, the queue, leading up to it. And maybe that's where it was kind of misleading for people because... The facade of the ride was Snow White's adventures and there were beautiful murals and, you know, you could see her face and everything, you know, was super happy and cute until you, like, turn the corner and the evil queen is cackling. So but maybe that adds to it, like Snow White was a princess. She was supposed to have, you know, a perfect life.
0: Can you imagine if the original version was still here, I feel like it would have one of the strongest cult followings imaginable. I don't want to say it's as strong as Haunted Mansion, but I almost I almost think it would be close.
1: Well, I think a lot of people would obviously enjoy the history. And I think if more people would maybe look at it from this lens of like, what were they really trying to portray? I think maybe it would be a little more popular, or a little more understood I think just most people don't internalize a dark ride like that to mean the same thing. I will say Snow White's Scary Adventure is a little less up for interpretation than like the Haunted Mansion is. So I feel like no matter what you do with Snow White's Scary Adventure. I mean, the theme kind of stays the same. You know, there's not a lot of, I guess, room for debate or discussion about what things might mean. But I do think it, you know, it'd be very popular. I think that's why they kept it. I mean, it's obviously an original ride. But I think there's more to it.
0: And so I guess that kind of brings us to talking about what it is in its current form from a storytelling aspect. Because honestly, I mean, that's the goal here is next time you ride it. To get a deeper appreciation for it. We've only been on the current version that's in Disneyland once. So we went on it in 2018. Of course, it's closed right now. I guess it's closed regardless of COVID. (laughs) It's under a refurbishment right now. I wonder if it's going to open up with the park in its new version. And what they're adding is a happy ending. So you'll see. I I guess we don't. Maybe some people know for sure. Um, My mind makes me think that you're going to see Snow White and the Prince. And them riding off into the sunset. You'll probably see the dopey animatronic that I think they have in Paris where he's waving bye to you.
1: I mean, everyone loves a good, like, sidekick, you know, show off.
0: But other than that, in some form or fashion, most of it is still intact to a certain extent. Uh, And we're not necessarily going to go scene by scene of what it is, but you go into the mine. And then essentially the old hag just starts chasing you around, trying to get you to eat the apple.
1: Well, I think even before that, and again, we've only been on this once in the past two years. I so wish I'm so mad that we didn't go back and write it a second time. Honestly, like this is one of those times where I'm just like kicking myself for not writing it again or like appreciating it as much as maybe I should have. But I know, you know, there's a scene where um, the evil queen is trying to kill you with, like, the stone, like she does at the end of the movie to Snow White. Um, I know there are scenes where you're in her, like, lair, like the dungeon, kind of, what would you call that? Her, I don't know, where she makes her magic potions.
0: <laughs> I think it's her dungeon.
1: Her dungeon. Okay, you're in Her dungeon. Um, things like that. And then, of course, there's this scene where, you know, she transforms. That one's terrifying. So it is really, and we kind of laughed at this, it really is just a lot of the evil queen just, like, jumping out at you. I'm still here. Here I am. Here's an apple.
0: And then eventually she tries to drop a rock on you. Yeah. And she's unsuccessful. And you hear her falling to her death. Mm-hmm. I did think... It's very interesting. There's multiple iterations of what she was trying to push onto you. So Magic Kingdom had a a gigantic gemstone that she was trying to collapse onto you. And she was also trying to collapse the mine on you as well.
1: I was going to say, this is one of those things. We can't get into the weeds of it because she's probably trying to throw so much on you that again, it's very confusing. But moral of the story is she's trying to kill you by toppling something onto you and it just is not successful
0: so i'd be remiss if we didn't talk about three more imagineers who played a big role in this and two we talked a lot about before well actually we've talked about all three of these before yeah yale gracie and Rolly crump you think these guys like horror
1: i mean they i guess everyone has a type These guys just have a type.
0: So if you missed our Haunted Mansion episodes, these two were like, I I know it's probably not like this in reality, but I just picture it like they were just kids in a candy store. I mean, I think from the stories that you hear about, like them playing the pranks and whatnot, that they just love this kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, I mean this is this is them and their element. They like to create that illusion for sure. They like to create those emotions of what's gonna happen next. What am I looking at? What is going on? So they they go with the ride. It fits them.
0: So they worked a lot on the updates that happened after its initial opening and the new versions that they put in. And then the other is Tony Baxter. My man. What? So Tony of Killers led the push on the new Fantasyland. He, I think, he was the lead project manager at like age twenty-two to do New Fantasyland, which is insane. But if you read about this time period, he leaned a lot on Claude Coates, who we mentioned before, mm-hmm. one who wanted to make this as scary as possible.
1: He was successful.
0: And so I just think those are some names that kind of keep in mind as you're writing this. That Those are people that have touched this over years. And there's many, many more who don't get the recognition that they deserve. But those are the big ones that stand Mm -hmm. out. I agree. All right. Facebook time.
1: Let's hear it. So, of course, we asked on our Facebook page, so Detour to Neverland Podcast Community, what your thoughts were on Snow White Scary Adventure. I have to say we didn't get a lot on this one. I think, I mean, maybe it's because it's a Disneyland ride. Um, Maybe we don't have as many Disneyland locals um, as we do with Walt Disney World. But this one, I mean, it's a hard one to rate. I think the fear factor plays into it. So we had just a few. So our friend Amanda said that she's never ridden it. So she couldn't give us much, but we appreciate the comment. Um, Then, of course, our friend Jackie said that her favorite part was always a silly song um, when Snow White dances with Dopey. And she's glad that they kept it and upped it on Mind Train. And I have to agree. So there is some fun in the ride.
0: Yeah, it is fun. You just know that the next moment you might have to go change your pants. (laughs) Uh, And then Erica gave it a raving review, gave it a 9.5 score. The only thing she dinged it for was standby worthy, which if anybody's familiar with Disneyland, this and Mr. Toad's Wild Ride almost never have a wait, like 15, 20 minutes tops.
1: I don't know. I feel like we waited a decent amount for Mr. Toad's Wild Ride and we didn't want to. But we we're like, we cannot leave Disneyland without riding this ride. It was like the last thing that we did that day.
0: OK, I misspoke during the middle of the day. All fantasy land gets crazy. I mainly meant like late at night when we would normally do Fantasyland. It's pretty short.
1: OK, fair enough. Fair enough.
0: All right. For the first time in history. We have the same score. We did. I think it's the first time.
1: Yeah, we'd have to go back and really look at it. But typically we do not have the same feelings about it. And all of our categories were not identical, but we did end up with the same score.
0: Mainly because my scores are normally better. They okay, are
1: not. So you go first, Brendan. What did you rate it?
0: A five and a half. I gave it high marks and rewritability. I just think it's one that you can continue writing over and over and over again. Uh, I rated it high in immersion and love it or fix it. I said, just don't change it too much. I think it could benefit from some new technology. Um, I guess it kind of falls in the category. I want to take it back to an old version. I want to make it slap your mama scary.
1: I do feel like if that's what they're going with and if they're not going to take out all the scary, then you might as well just go all in at this point.
0: I rated it lowest and fast pass worthy. Just because like end of the day, you can get on it. No problem. And smile factor.
1: You're not smiling when you ride this ride.
0: I don't know. It's almost like a it's that's like a catch 22 question. Like kind
1: of like a cringe kind of smile. Like, oh,
0: yeah. You need that. Like, did factor. I just see
1: this? Yeah. Um, I gave it high ratings for thrill because it is it is pretty thrilling. You know, it might not move fast and the cars might not be big or anything like that. But I think the emotion plays into the thrill. Um, Reridability for me, because like I said, I'm completely kicking myself that I did not ride this more. So then I gave it a fair mark. But when I think about how much do I miss it? Um, It's not one that comes to mind. Like, of course, when I think about Disneyland or DCA, I think about things like the Incredicoaster or, you know, some of those bigger rides. But right now I do miss it. And these are the times where I wish we could just like snap and be in Disneyland. So like we could experience this as we're, you know, talking about it.
0: I um, and another podcast I listened to was podcast the ride. They covered this two years ago. Um, and so if anybody wants to continue diving into this rabbit hole, they have a good episode on it. Uh, and one of them recommended about what could you change about it to make it better? Of course, I want it to be scarier. Mm -hmm. Um, I also think they made a good point of it's a constant speed throughout and it's almost hard to pick up on everything because you're constantly moving. That this would really benefit to something like a trackless ride system where you like stop, you see something, you move forward, you move backwards, you move sideways, and then you go to the next scene.
1: Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. That is a good one, because that would give you kind of that chase or like that confusion. I mean, if you think about some of these trackless rides that we have now. I mean, yeah.
0: The one that it really hit home for me on is it's everywhere on the Internet right now of the new Beauty and the Beast ride in Tokyo. Mm -hmm. How much that benefits from a trackless ride system because you don't know which direction you're going. And that is a huge element on this ride is you're going towards the cottage and then you take a sharp turn to go to the Queen's Castle. And imagine how much cooler that would be if you can't even see the track.
1: Yeah, it does make you think about like those scary movies when you're like, why are you turning? And then they turn. I mean, that's exactly what the ride does.
0: They get you every time. They do. I don't know. Can you think of anything else?
1: No, my mind is blown because I love that suggestion. I'm going to petition for that now. Bring in a trackless ride system for Snow White. For really all the rides would benefit from that. but. I could see how that would really enhance the story here. That would add to the fear, the surprise, the, you know, the suspense. Maybe because you already are kind of wondering like, oh, when is the evil queen going to pop back out at me? And then if you're trackless, oh, my goodness. So I'm I'm a big fan of that.
0: So a couple of things I just want to make sure. I think the key takeaways that you need to know for this ride for next time you ride it where it was intentionally scary. I always thought it was scary by mistake, but it wasn't.
1: Disney does not make any mistakes. Well, they knew what they were doing. Well,
0: they've made some mistakes over the years. Maybe a few. Um, now you made me lose my train of thought. Oh, telling a story through emotion instead of a linear storyline I think and and making you a part of the story, mm-hmm. I think all of those things you think about them opening that in 1955 with those elements is incredibly impressive. Like you said, it was so far ahead of its time.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's for sure. My biggest takeaway is I think if I can just ride this and look at it through that lens, I think some of these other things that maybe are like. Oh, it's old, or oh, it's not that, you know, whatever it might be. I think if you can look at it from that original kind of storytelling lens and what they wanted you to feel and experience, I think it makes this ride so much more impressive and so much more worthy of, you know, a higher score than just, you know, the mild five and a half that we gave it.
0: So, are we in agreement? that this should stay instead of fitting seven dwarves, mine train somehow into Disneyland.
1: I, I think so. And I would even say just for the historical part of, uh, I mean, you've got to be a sucker for some of those originals that Walt did that he envisioned that he wanted and he planned and, you know, he wrote it. How can you, get rid of something like that. Just in my mind, like, okay, get rid of it in magic kingdom. Maybe not for a princess meet and greet, but you know, it, it doesn't have that same kind of sentimental, you know, feeling that I feel like it does in Disneyland.
0: Well, and it helped me a little bit just to learn that Walt's original idea was to not have a snow White attraction that he didn't want to copycat fantasy land. Mm-hmm. So that makes me feel a little bit better about losing it. I, I'll be on. We haven't got to Mr. Toad's yet. I I don't care that Mr. Toad is gone, but that's a different story. That
1: is definitely a soapbox for another episode. We will get to that, friends.
0: Um, we actually didn't plan this before. We have to pick an attraction for next week.
1: I'm pretty sure you have to pick an attraction for next week.
0: So normally we go back to Magic Kingdom. After we go to Disneyland. Mm -hmm. So what have we not done in Magic Kingdom? That would be a fun chat. You know what? I'm going to stick with this theme of what we're already talking about. We're going to stay with Snow White another week. We're going to do Seven Doors Mind Train. I like it. So we can continue talking about Tony Baxter because he'll play into that story as well.
1: Well, that's why you picked it. You just gave away your secret. Correct. So we hope you enjoyed today's episode. As always, we would love it if you could leave us an iTunes review because that helps more people come and find us and enjoy the podcast. Um, We would also love it if you would head over to Facebook and you can join our community group. We'd love to hear from you there. We'd love to connect and we hope you can join us again on Monday.
0: So thank you so much for listening and hope you have a wonderful rest of your week. We will chat with you next Monday.